You're listening to Parenting with Emotional Intelligence, a subset of the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast. I'm Brittany Nicole, your host, the founder of Catalyst for Change LLC, Generation EQ, and the author of The EQ Deficiency. If you find the information in this podcast valuable and want to learn more about how you too can incorporate this essential skill in your and your family's lives, I welcome you to contact me personally. I have my personal calendar link in the show notes below and we can have a chat. So today we're talking about how to motivate children, whether it's getting a two-year-old to put on their coat or getting a teenager to clean their room or do their homework the basics of motivation are the same. While I'm sure we'd love for our children to be intrinsically motivated to do what we ask of them or what we feel that at least they need to do to be responsible and successful, this takes two things, self-control and maturity. Two things that many of us adults still struggle with. That said, it's somewhat unrealistic to expect that of children. The other form of motivation is extrinsic motivation, meaning motivation fueled by either the fear of punishment or reward. And if used effectively, it can lead to intrinsic motivation. There are so many places we can start with this topic, but let's start with what often goes wrong when we try to quote unquote motivate kids. One We ask them or suggest for them to do something and automatically expect them to do it. For example, let's say that your kid's on the phone and you may say something like, Jacob, I need you to get off your phone and put away the laundry that has been piled up in the corner of your room for a week now. And while Jacob may have replied, okay, it's likely his eyes never left the screen of his phone while you were talking to him. You know what that means? He probably didn't hear a word of what you said. Just because he responded doesn't mean that he was listening. All of us are pretty good at pretending to listen and giving the appropriate verbal or physical cues, while really, we're just running on autopilot. Also, kids know our thresholds when it comes to intolerance. So hypothetically speaking, the first time you say it, they know that you're just simply asking. And like the example I use with Jacob, it may go in one ear and out the other. The second time you tell them, you may say it with a little bit more irritation in the tone of your voice, which signals to them that this is their warning. And then the third time that you say it, and the third time you say it, they likely know that you mean business. And if they don't want serious consequences, They better do what you ask. But who likes repeating themselves and feeling like they have to be the bad guy or gal to get a reaction? No one. It's time-consuming and it's exhausting. Yet the truth is, if it takes us saying something more than once to see a reaction or get results, it means that we weren't convincing enough the first time. And guess what? We don't have to get upset or yell in order to be convincing. Equally, we don't have to flex our adult muscles to show that we are the boss. And this is another mistake that we parents or caregivers of children make. 
We shouldn't have to prove that we are the ones in charge and flex our power by making threats or raising our voice. An example of this might be us saying something like, if you don't get off your phone and do your laundry right now, you can forget about going to Best House this weekend. Is that clear? Again, this isn't necessary. It's just another power move. If we feel the need to show a kid that we are the boss and we can make their lives miserable, in those moments, we're not coming from a place of love. I'm not saying this is you. And if it is you, I don't think that you're doing it intentionally. As with pretty much everything that I talk about regarding how we collectively tend to parent, any of the techniques that we use to parent have likely been passed down to us or conditioned within us. And that is why parenting with emotional intelligence is different from traditional parenting. Because we are conscious of what we say do, and the intention we place behind it. So let's move on to how to effectively motivate our kids. Number one, change your perspective and attitude towards the situation. You know what it's like to have to do something that you don't want to do? It sucks. That doesn't change with age. The only thing that changes is that as we mature, which by the way, age and maturity are not always synonymous, But as we emotionally mature, we know that whether we like it or not, some things we just need to get done. So go into the situation with the understanding that what you're about to ask them to do, they likely aren't going to be thrilled about doing. (laughs) Knowing that, approach with love and understanding. Now, when I say love and understanding, some people assume that means you have to baby talk them and coddle them. No. You can still be assertive and convincing while also being loving. And just to be clear, this isn't tough love either, which really doesn't exist, but I'm not going down that rabbit hole today. So the best way I can explain what I mean by embracing a loving yet assertive approach for those of you listening is to have a matter-of-fact tone in your voice without any defensiveness. Because when we have a defensive tone, it implies that we are preparing for pushback. And this can lead to exactly what we're bracing for, pushback. And lastly, apply a bit of empathy. Because we know what it's like to have to stop what we're doing, possibly enjoying, to do something that we don't want to do. So putting this all together and using the example of Jacob again, I'm going to walk over to him directly instead of trying to talk to him from across the room. This is part of being assertive because you are non-verbally communicating that you expect their attention. So I may walk up and say something like, hey bud. Then I may pause and wait for him to divert his attention away from his phone and make full eye contact with me. Again, this communicates that I expect his undivided attention. Now, if he ignores me, I say it again, just as I did before. Hey, bud, notice my tone doesn't deviate. Sure, it's frustrating when kids don't respond to us the first time and our ego may be ticked off and wanting to bark back at them and say, hey, I'm talking to you. Look at me. (laughs) But just know 
that our egos are not emotionally intelligent and it doesn't care about effectiveness. It cares about being right, being number one, and getting its own way. So just again, calmly say, Jacob, hey, once you have direct eye contact, you can continue. I see that your clothes are still piled up in the corner of your room. Will you please put down your phone and do that for me? Notice the tone in my voice. I'm not showing that I'm irritated with him. It's stated as an observation and then framed as a request. There's no judgment, no defensiveness, no command. So let's talk about that part. Why not a command? Because whether we like it or not, we cannot force anyone to do anything, not even children. We can create high consequences, which pushes them to comply, but we cannot force them to comply. And when we try, it makes them more resistant to comply. And it builds a barrier between you and your child. It's just not an effective way to motivate anyone, to be quite honest. And if you believe that because you're the parent or adult that your child should do everything you say just because you said it, that is again your ego talking. When parents push back on this, I always have them revisit their objective. What do you want out of this situation? If it is for them to comply with you expending as little energy as possible, then being demanding and abrasive is not serving you. Has it ever worked out well when people have tried an abrasive demanding strategy with you? Highly unlikely. You may have complied because you didn't want to deal with the consequences, but you likely didn't give in without pushback or at the very least a feeling of resentment. Here's the thing. You are still in control even when you ask because your child relies on you for privileges. While every child is entitled to basic necessities of life and hopefully your love and affection, their phone, extracurricular activities, game time, etc. are privileges that you can take away. So you don't have to raise your voice, threaten, or make demands. You give them a choice. Let's talk about that. Earlier I mentioned extrinsic motivation comes from either a fear of punishment or loss of something or from the anticipation of a reward. I recommend you stay away from the fear of punishment or framing the consequences in a negative way altogether. Here's an example of what I mean. So if I said, Jacob, I see that your clothes are still sitting in the corner of the room. Will you please put down your phone and go do that for me? If Jacob decides to huff and puff, instead of me saying, if you don't do it, then you can forget about going to Beth's this weekend, which is a threat and a negative framing of motivation, I might instead say something like, I know you're looking forward to going over to Beth's this weekend. I'm willing to take time out of my schedule to take you over there if you're willing to take some time out of yours to do your laundry. Is that a fair trade? Or would you rather that I stay here this weekend and do your laundry, therefore I won't be able to take you to Beth's? See what I did there? I framed it in a positive way. I said it with love while also being assertive. And I framed it in a way that made it very clear to Jacob that it was his choice. I wasn't forcing it on him. And depending on his choice, 
he may lose out on something that he wants at his hand, not mine. I also showed him that everyone makes sacrifices. I was taking time out of my schedule to do something for him that I didn't have to do. To sum it all up, in order to motivate your kid or children, avoid making demands, instead make requests, and add those consequences, but frame it in a more positive way. Be loving and assertive and understand where they're coming from and play off of wins versus losses. That is all for today with Parenting with Emotional Intelligence. If you would like to learn more or have questions, I encourage you to check out generationeq.org where you can find information about upcoming Generation EQ Parents Clubs where I personally facilitate 90-minute interactive discussion sessions every month on parenting with emotional intelligence and expand upon topics such as this. In addition, I offer private family programs which takes into account your family's unique personalities and behaviors. I will put the link to Generation EQ where you can find all this information in today's show notes. Until next time, live and lead with an open heart and open mind. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.